Just real quick, um, I was kind of intrigued or wa always wondered what Valentine's Day was all about, and I am not, I'm a little foggy, but I think back in the year 270, there was a, a um, uh, ruler that thought that uh, men fought better if they weren't married. And so they made a decree that uh, nobody could get married because they needed them in their royal army. And, and so uh, that kind of goes against some people's grain. And there was this man named Valentine something. I might have, there's another name that goes, anyways, he secretly continued to marry people. And uh, the king or the, the lady found out about that and that was the end of secret weddings. He had his head lobbed off, I believe, after being in prison for a little bit. But anyways, what a romantic story. I, I, I was still scratching my head how we get Valentines out of it, but I, Kind of fits, almost, almost. Turn with me, if you would, to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I'm going to read just a few verses there to start with. I'm going to let it kind of speak for itself, sort of like our scripture reading. I have a few questions, and then I'm going to move on to where I really want to go. And if I can pull the strings all back together, we'll end up here again at the end. But 1 Corinthians chapter 13, I'm going to read the first eight verses. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become as a sounding brass. I'm going to stop. I remember as a child sitting in church and heard him talk about charity and could never quite figure this, that out. Charity is another word for love. So if you're a younger, youngster here and you hear the word charity, you can substitute love. It kind of goes hand in hand. Uh, it, though I have not charity, I am become as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And although they have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, does not behave itself unseemingly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, iniquity but rejoices in the truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never fails. I'm going to stop right there. So I have a question, and I'd just like to have an answer. You've had a moment to think about it. What is love? Sum it up in a word or two. Anybody? I just read about it. Caring? Caring? How do you care for somebody? Take some for action on your part, right? Yes. Anybody else? Unselfishness? You both said the same? Oh, wow. Love is unselfish. That's a hard one. We all want to be first. We all want it to be about us, 
or I'm speaking for myself, I guess. Putting other person's needs in front of your own. I think everything I've heard so far is love is an action. So if you have love, does that mean you're perfect? Only if you have perfect love. Only Christ has perfect love. We are all striving for that. Uh, I know I have hurt people by saying things or doing things, and it was not intentional at all. In fact, you know, I could be trying to give them a compliment, and they read into it too hard and, and took it the wrong way. So we can, we, can, uh, confuse, we can get confused, and sometimes we think we're not doing anything wrong, and we can actually hurt per people also. I'd like to bring it just a little bit to a physical setting. When a couple gets married in the storybook, uh, they always live happily ever after. Is that true? Yes? No? Maybe? Today I'd like to look at a story in the Bible that is probably maybe one of the, uh, an ultimate love story, if I can say it. Um, but before I go into there, I, I'd, I'd like to say this. I, I read, acro I come across this quote, and I'm not even sure who kind of put it together. I changed the, the thing around just a little bit because I didn't like it. But I'd like to compare, I'd like to say it this way. The life of the godly is not an interstate through Nebraska. But the state road through the mountains. There are rock slides, there are dark mists, there are bears, there are slippery curves, there are hairpin turns that make you go backwards in order to go forwards. But along this hazardous twisted road that doesn't let you see very far ahead, there are signs that say, the best is yet to come. As I live, saith the Lord. With that in mind, turn to uh, the book of Ruth, um, way back in the Old Testament. And I always thought it wasn't quite so far back, to be honest with you. Right after Judges. Ruth. Many of you know the story of Ruth, but I'd like to look at it just a little bit differently today, maybe. Remembering the twisted roads and everything we talked about. And also keeping love in the back of your mind through all this. I'm going to go ahead and read the first five verses of chapter 1. Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land, and a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. And the name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi, the name of his two sons, Malan and Chilin, Ephraimites, Ephrodites of Bethlehem, Judah, and they came into the country of Moab and continued there. And Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and he was left, and she was left, and her two sons. And they took them wives of the women of Moab, and the name of the one was Orpha, and the name of the other Ruth, and they dwelled there about ten years. And Malon and Chilon died also, both of them. And the woman was left of, her two son, left of her two sons and her husband. This sounds like a really good story. A woman has to move because she has nothing to eat. She gets 
She loses her husband, and she loses both her sons in a 10-year period and is left with nothing. What a, what a curve the Lord sent to, or God sent to Naomi. Can it really get any worse? Verse 6, And she arose with her daughter-in-laws, that she might return from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the country of Moab how the Lord had visited his people in giving them bread. I'm going home. I'm a, this is enough. Wherefore she went, and out of the place where she was, and her two daughters-in-law with her, and they went in the way to return into the land of Judah. And Naomi said to her two daughter-in-laws, Go, return each to her mother's house, the Lord deal kindly with you as ye have dwelt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant you that ye may find rest, each of you, in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them and lifted, her, lifted up their voice and wept. And, the, and they said unto her, Surely we will return with thee unto thy people. And Naomi said, Turn again, my daughters, why will ye go with me? Are there yet any more are there yet any more sons in my womb that they may be your husbands? Turn again, my daughters, and go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, if I should have a husband also tonight, should also bear sons. Would ye tarry for them till they were grown? Would ye stay for them from having husbands? Nay, my daughters, for it grieveth me much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord is gone out against me. And they lifted up their voice and wept again. And Orpha kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clave unto her people. Ooh, excuse me. Clave unto her. And she said, Behold, thy sister-in-law is gone back unto her people and unto her gods. Return thou again, thy sister-in-law. And Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee, or to return from following after thee. For whether thou goest, I will go. And where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God my God. Where thou diest, will I die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, do so to me, and more also, if aught but death part thee and me. And when she saw that she was steadfastly minded to go with her, then she left speaking unto her. So they went until they came to Bethlehem. And it came to pass, when they came to Bethlehem, that all the city was moved about them, and they said, Is this Naomi? And she said unto them, Call me not Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty hath dwelt very bitterly with me. I went out full, and the Lord hath brought me home again empty. Why then call me Naomi, seeing the Lord hath testified against me, and the Almighty hath afflicted me? So Naomi returned, and Ruth, the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law, with her, which returned out of the country of Moab. And they came to Bethlehem in the beginning of the barley harvest. I'd like to stop just for a, a moment. I'd like to go back to verse 16 and 17. What does love look like? This was not her daughter. This was her daughter-in-law. She had family. She had a mother, the way it sounds. She had family in the country of Moab. Why was she so attracted? Why did she so want to follow after Naomi? I don't have all the answers to that. 
But I know that she had, Naomi obviously had something that she saw. Because she even recommended they go back to their gods. I find that interesting. You would think if she was a Christian today, she would try to win the souls of her, her daughter-in-laws. But she actually recommends that they go back and stay there. I think Ruth had a serious attachment to Naomi and the love that she had for her because she saw something in her that even through all the despair that she was through, losing her whole family, that she was still faithful. Chapter 2, the story takes a turn and we meet the rich, charming young man. I'm going to read part of it at least. And Naomi had a kinsman of her husband, a mighty man of wealth of the family of Elimelech, and his name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabitess said unto Naomi, Let me now go in the field and glean ears of corn after him, in whose sight I may find grace. And she said unto her, Go, my daughter. And she went and came and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And her hap was to find light on the part of the field belonging unto Boaz, who was of the kindred of Elimelech. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said unto the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered him, The Lord bless thee. Then said Boaz unto his servant that was set over the reapers, Whose damsel is this? And the servant that was set over the reapers answered and said, It is the Moabitish damsel that came back with Naomi out of the country of Moab. And she said, I pray you, let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. So she came and hath continued even from the morning until now. And she tarried a little in the house. Then said Boaz unto Ruth, Hearest thou not, my, da Hearest thou not, my daughter? Go not to glean in another field, neither go from hence, but abide here fast by my maidens. Let thine eyes be on the field, they do reap. And go after them. Have I not charged the young men that they shall not touch thee? And when thou art athirst, go into the vessels and drink of that which the young men have drawn. And she fell on her face and bowed herself to the ground and said unto him, Why have I found grace in thine eyes that thou shouldest take knowledge of me, that take knowledge of me, seeing I am a stranger? And Boaz answered and said, It hath fully been shown me all that thou hast done unto thy mother-in-law since the death of thine husband and how thou hast left thy father and thy mother in the land of thy nativity and art come unto a people which thou knowest not. Here too the Lord recompense thy work and a full reward be given unto the Lord God of Israel under whose wings thou art come to trust. Boaz understood what she had went through where she had come from, and the love that she had for Naomi. And I, I, don't, I don't understand the whole situation and everything going on here, but they had a, a custom back then that even if Boaz really liked Ruth, there was somebody else, if you, in the chapter 3, if I read on, there was somebody else that was closer related to her to her kinsman or to Elimelech than Boaz was. Now, Boaz was related, but there was somebody even closer. And I believe we can see Boaz was a righteous man. 
because he did what was right, even though it may not turn out, the story could have turned out very differently. But in chapter 4, he does his lawful deed of offering her to uh, the closer relation. I'm going to read a, the first verses in uh, in chapter 4. Chapter 3, basically the strange custom, if you remember how she went in and and uncovered his feet and was there. And basically, in a nutshell, if I can wash it down, says, I'm willing to be your wife. I don't know if today we wouldn't quite look at that as maybe the right way. But uh, in the day, that signified that. And Boaz went about to see if that was possible. So we'll pick it up in chapter 4 again. I'm going to read uh, the first 17 verses, I believe. Then went Boaz up to the gate and sat him down there. And behold, the kinsman of whom Boaz spake came by unto, came by unto whom he said, Ho, such as one, turn aside. Sit down here, turn aside. And he sat down. And he took ten men of the elders of the city and said, Sit ye down here. And they sat down. And he said unto the kinsman, Naomi that is come, Again, out of the country of Moab, selleth a parcel of land, which was our brother Elimelech's. And I thought to advertise thee, saying, Buy it before the inhabitants and before the elders of my people. If thou wilt redeem it, redeem it. But if thou wilt not redeem it, then tell me that I may know, for there is none to redeem it besides thee, and I am after thee. And he said, I will redeem it. Then said Boaz, what day thou buyest the field of the hand of Naomi, thou must buy it also of Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of the dead, to raise up the name of the dead upon his inheritance. And the kinsman said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I mar mine own inheritance. Redeem thou my right to thyself, for I cannot redeem it. Now this was the matter in former time in Israel concerning redeeming and concerning changing. For to confirm all things, a man plucked off his shoe, and gave it to his neighbor, and this was a testimony in Israel. Therefore the kinsman said unto Boaz, Buy it for thee. So he drew off his shoe. And Boaz said unto the elders and unto all the people, You are witnesses this day that I have bought all that was Elimelech's and all that was Chilin's and Malan's of the hand of Naomi. Moreover, Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of Malan, have I purchased to be my wife, to raise up for the name of the dead upon his inheritance, and that the name of the dead be not cut off from among his brethren, and from the gate of his place, you are witnesses this day. And all the people that were in the gate, and the elders said, We are witnesses. The Lord make the woman that is come into thine house, like Rachel and like Leah, which too did build the house of Israel. And do thou worthily in Ephrata, and be famous in Bethlehem. And let thy house be like the house of of Pharez, whom Tamar bare unto Judah, of the seed which the Lord shall give her of this young woman. I'd like to point out one other thing that I failed to mention earlier. When they were married, when she was married to Malan back in the land of Moab, she was barren. So there was ten years and they had no children. And so keep, I was going to mention that earlier because it, it fits in here now. The love story is unfolding. So Boaz took Ruth, and she was his wife, and she went in unto her, and the Lord gave her conception. She bare a son. 
And the woman said unto Naomi, Blessed be the Lord, which hath not left this day without left thee this day without a kinsman, that his name may be famous in Israel. And he shall be unto thee a restorer of life and a nourisher of thine old age. For thy daughter-in-law, which loveth thee, which is better to thee than seven sons, hath borne him. And, and Naomi took the child, laid her in her bosom, and became the nurse unto it. And the women of her neighbors gave it a name, saying, There is a son born to Naomi, and they called his name Obed. For he is the father of Jesse, who is the father of David. Not every story ends this particular way. But I just want you to keep in mind that the faithfulness of Naomi and also Ruth doing what was asked of her. The love that she had, how she clave to, um, clave to her mother-in-law because she knew something there was something good about her. Sometimes when we go through life, God asks us to hold on to things. Sometimes we're asked to let them go. But I believe wherever we're at in our life, I believe it's very important that we, we are faithful. And though this may not be the most romantic story ever, I'd like you to keep in mind the story of the road. How many of you are at a road where you're at a lot of forks, a lot of wines? Maybe you're going backwards right now to go forward. But God, can you bring you through each and every one of those if you continue to trust in his love and love him in return? Kind of maybe to wrap it all up, and in closing, I'd, go, I'd like to go back and read 1 Corinthians 13. Maybe you remember it good enough, but I'm just going to turn there again and read a few verses. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burnt, and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Charity suffereth long, and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, and is not puffed up. It does not behave itself unseemingly. Seeketh not her own. It is not easily provoked. Thinking no, thinketh no evil. Rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Beareth all things. Believeth all things. Hopeth all things. Endureth all things. Charity never fails. In closing, do you really love God? What does that look like? Based on 1 Corinthians and also on the example of Ruth. Will you forsake everything? Like Ruth did, the, your family, your country, the comforts that we have around us. How much do you love God? And we decided this morning that love is an action word. A challenge for myself. What have I forsaken? What have I given up?
to love my Lord and my God. Thank you.